0: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future.
1: I'm your other co host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian.
0: All right, today we're going to take a look around the system, discuss a bunch of moves that happened over the last few days, and answer some Twitter questions. But as, uh, as we always do, first, we're going to start with our stock up prospect uh, of the week. I'll go first, Kenny. The guy that I have on my list, it was um, it was a pretty easy decision kind of for me. Quincy Hamilton, right, just got promoted to double A. We'll talk about the transactions here in a little bit. But, man, he's had a great season. You know, fifth-round pick last year, uh, fifth-year senior, so didn't sign for a ton of money because he, you know, kind of didn't have a whole lot of options. But the guy is just freaking hit. You know, 147, uh, weighted runs created plus in single A, a 162 in high A. Overall this year he's got a, a 14.4 walk percentage, 16.6K percentage, 23 doubles, 13 homers, 20 stolen bases. Um, I mean, doing everything you want you would like to see from your advanced hitting college outfielder, um, drawing walks, not striking out, hitting for some power. So really excited to see what he's he's gonna do in double A. But to make it all the way from, you know, just being drafted last year to play this year is a, is definitely a nice thing to see. Yeah, you
1: don't see that too often when you see a guy jump from single A all the way to double A in August. You know, there's still two months of baseball left. On the minor league season and you know like a fifth rounder in Quincy Hamilton you know lefty we've talked about a couple of times maybe he needs another tool another glove you know to get in there and it's hard to do that when he can only play first base he hasn't played it before um, but you know the bat looks good and it's even better that uh, his offensive numbers were higher in uh, high a and that's you know in part to the stadium being a little smaller uh, in Asheville but other than that the offense just carried through and you know he was the um Astros minor league player of the month in May and with the offensive success he's had it's surprising he didn't win it twice
0: yeah just a a great start to the season for him like you said uh I'd have to go look at the home and a splits to see how he's how he's performing at home but you know and that's on a the the way to run plus is on like an average for the league so still to be above average is uh really nice to see
1: yeah most definitely and then, and then just you know staying in Asheville my my uh, stock up is Luis Santana. Uh, he was one of the returns from the JD Davis trade with the Mets in twenty nineteen or twenty seventeen. So you know he's been in the system for quite a while now. And when you look at what Luis Santana's done this year, it's it's just kind of uh, on and off. You know he doesn't have a lot of power. He can hit the ball well, but it just kind of it's in spurts. Uh, in in the month of August so far, he's hitting three eighteen with an OPS way above uh, 1500, um, as of Monday, we're, you know, recording on Monday, but four home runs in the month of, um, in the month of August, he's had, uh, five combined through his last three months. The power is just coming out of nowhere. He's on a three home run, uh, run, run streak right now, three games. And, you know, he won June's, uh, uh, Sal player of the month. So he's just, you know, he's been all over the place, you know, the numbers on the season don't look all that stellar compared to what I'm saying now, but Luis Santana's on a hot streak.
0: Yeah, and he seems like a guy who, who had, like you said, those spurts where uh, he looks like he's going to break out. And, and it's kind of looking like it right now, like you mentioned what he did in June and then uh, the streak that he's on right now. But that kind of leads us into all the transactions that have happened since the last time we came on. Most of them happening um, yesterday, uh, Monday, August, uh, August 8th. But we'll talk about the, the the one we've been pushing for for a while. I think a lot of people want to see it happen. Justin Durden finally getting his chance in AAA. I mean, God just crushed the ball in double. I think he was hitting 324, OPS of over 1,000, leaves the system in doubles, 20 homers. Um, just really good to see him finally get that chance. Unfortunately, there was another move for AAA. Pedro Leon was faced by a pitch uh, a couple days ago and ended up getting a fracture. He went to the IL. doesn't sound that serious, no surgery, maybe just a week or two out. Uh, but that's a couple of the, the transactions, Kenny. So what else have we got? What have we got uh, working down in uh, Corpus Christi?
1: Oh, just just one more thing on the AAA level oh. is that uh, Franklin Bredo was released uh, yesterday, yep. he was a, or a spring training signee. Uh, kind of two or three years veteranship. The majors was once a top prospect for the A's. Injury kind of bit him last season. Uh, never really got it going, but he did have a five RBI game Sunday in his last time in the system. <laughs> um, what a way to go out! Uh, yeah. yeah. But in Double A, well, you said a little bit earlier, Quincy Hamilton promoted. Uh, he was one of the first guy or one of the first hitters from the twenty twenty one draft to get to Double A. The first pitcher was uh, Chadez from UCLA. Um, yeah. But other than that, you got uh, Jaden Murray, who was assigned to double-A. He was acquired from the Rays in the three-team deal to get Trey Mancini from the Orioles. Um, he hasn't pitched yet as of Monday. Um, we recording Tuesday right now and he hasn't pitched yet, but uh, Ross Adolph is back, was out for two months, played about seven games down in the FCL, seven rehab games. Um, numbers looked fine. You know, I, I think there's more things that they probably wanted to see working on, you know, working his way back, but he's back in the, Back on the roster today. And at the same time, uh, Jordan Brewer uh, was placed on the seven day IL. Um, No worry on what the injuries are for those or what the injuries were and are for those two guys. But uh, Jordan Brewer, not off to the best start that he'd like to see in double A. We saw a little bit better in the first week that he was there playing some first base as well as outfield. Uh, But he's on the injured list.
0: Yeah, another guy who's an outfielder, first baseman that we wanted to see promoted for a while. Joey Loperfito finally got the call. He's up in high A now. Uh, Miguel Palma, a a catcher who's up there. We'll talk about them when we get down to the level about how they've been performing, but that's a couple. And then yesterday, on Monday, we were hit with a slew of transactions. The Astros assigned a bunch of guys to Fayetteville. I'll go over that list, and we'll kind of go into the guys they got released. But from the uh, 2022 draft, they Drew Gilbert, number one pick, uh, 20th overall, they assigned him. They assigned Zach Cole, an outfielder, uh, 10th round, Zach DiCenzo, Tommy Sacco, Jackson Mofton. Uh, Garrett McGowan, and then Ryan Robleski, though. So the, the guys, the college hitters they drafted in that 10 to 20 range, a lot of them got assigned. Uh, they're in the lineup tonight. I think most of them, maybe everybody except for Lofton's, in the lineup tonight. So we'll get to see what they can do uh, when this post tomorrow tomorrow morning. But, um, man, it's exciting. I mean, you know, I hate to see some of these guys get released, but it's really exciting to see a lot of these guys kind of get thrown into that full-season baseball, you know, two years ago when, when we had Tri-City, the short season. That's kind of where all the college guys went. Now we get to see them in full-season right away.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Robleski is also out of the lineup tonight. But when when you take the seven guys who are assigned um, on Monday and you look at the lineup today on Tuesday, you could almost put eight guys with Colin Price also included who yeah. was assigned last week into that lineup. So almost eight players from the 2022 draft can play in affiliate baseball already. And that's just, you know, in parts of being college ready. You know, the college guys coming up. Uh, Jacob right. Melton, who's a second-round pick, is still in the FCL. So the guys down there... That are going to make their way up you know pitchers too, even undrafted free agents like logan van way who's thrown three scoreless innings five strikeouts uh the numbers are looking good so far um there's more to it that we don't know but uh there's going to be some pitchers up in the system too with the, with you know with the releases we've seen
0: yeah and i think we kind of saw that even last year there was uh some of the the 2021 picks you know went up and and maybe through three or four outings, I think Rec Coba, Spencer Getty, Chase McDermott all through like somewhere around like fifteen to twenty innings last year for Fayetteville. So um probably next week, maybe we might kind of see those because we're we're seeing the pitchers get in games now. You know, we saw Van Way he's mentioned undrafted he pitched. Somebody else pitched either yesterday or today. That was a, a 2022 draftee through a scoreless inning. Gillis, yeah, Gillis. So they're they're starting to get their feet wet in the FCL. So maybe next week is when we see them start to, to come up to Fayetteville. But Unfortunately with that there is there is a, a, a you know a slew of guys that were released as well. Uh, without going down the list I'll just say one that kind of caught me by surprise I know we talked about Victor Muscay you know he had an OPS of like 740, 21 years old, had some power hit hit some homers, drew some walks, the batting average wasn't great, I heard he wasn't great defensively, but you know given that he was only 21 and OPS in the mid 700s I feel like he would have got a you know a little bit longer leash or maybe even a sign back to FCL but uh, but I mean it's just kind of the kind of the way it goes. You bring in new players, you draft 21 guys, you sign 20 of them, you know, they're they're gonna need a spot, and unfortunately, some some guys got cut. But I know there's a lot of guys that are rehabbing right now down in the FCL. So uh, can you tell us who, who some of those guys are?
1: Yeah, I've been keeping up with the rehabs a little bit recently. Uh Nico Goodrum. Um, on the 40-man roster for the Astros, played for the Astros earlier this season, pulled his hamstring in uh, June for the AAA Space Cowboys. Uh, he's been on and off. Uh, strikeout numbers are, aren't, you know, aren't what you'd like to see from a guy who's major league talent. Um, but he's also he was also pulled during game today. There was no injury delay. So I think it was just he was done with his rehab assignment. And I heard when I was in Sugar Land that they're expecting him to be back. On the roster in the, in the next week, and especially with Franklin Bredo release, there's going to be a, a roster space open there. Uh, Scott Schreiber, who's on the 60 day IL um, for the the Corpus Christi Hooks, is still working on or working out rehabbing with the FCL Astros. Uh, Freitas Nova, uh, haven't you, you haven't heard that name in a while, towards ACL last season in high A, was on the 40 man roster, was DFA'd, uh, stayed in the system, went unclaimed. He had a home run in his first at-bat in the uh, FCL and the rehab assignment, but hasn't played since July 29th. He was taken off rehab and just placed back on the injured list. Maybe something was aggravated back Mm. in that knee. Uh, Allen Burst Santa, you know, turned a lot of heads in spring training. We talked about him a lot at the beginning of the year uh, through a scoreless inning in his first rehab assignment, uh, first rehab start. That was uh, three more outs than he recorded in his only appearance this season, which he probably left with an injury. Uh, Scott or Sean Dubin uh, back Rehabbing again uh, was placed on the injured list with a forearm strain, right forearm strain in June. Uh, But he threw a scoreless inning today as well. Uh, That's going to be some good depth to have back on the 40-man roster.
0: Yeah, a lot lot of movement over the last couple of weeks. And and nice to see, uh, you know, to get some of those guys back that we were kind of missing earlier in the year, you know, the Ross Adolphs, the Scott Schreiber, the the Sean Dubin getting him back as well. So that'll be good. But we'll go to the Space Cowboys, Sean Dubin's team. They're 47 and 58. I think they went – four and two or five and one this week. I'd have to look at my notes, but they started to turn it around. And really every Astros minor league team so far has, has played really well since the, uh, since the all-star break, but Peter Solomon, PCL pitcher of the month for July, tossed five no hit innings. You know, I think one of his most recent starts, I think he had a 2.30 ERA in July. I know a lot of us expected some, some high things from him. I expect him to, to probably get more outings with the, or more innings with the Astros than he currently has. And he struggled to start the season, but he's really turned it around. And if people look at that ERA. And I think, like J.P. France has an ERA around 4.15, 4.2 or something like that. And that's like third in the PCL. And people look at it and like, holy crap, an ERA above four is third. But that's just – that's the environment that they're pitching in, which kind of makes you <laughs> appreciate what Hunter Brown is doing to you a little bit more. But, yeah, Peter Solomon, nice to see him kind of get it going and have a really good month of July.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the space er, – well, when they were the skiers last season, Peter Solomon had the best – Uh, ERA and all the, what was the AAA West East, uh, whatever the divisions were last season, um triple a west east yeah it doesn't make that much sense but yeah. you know he had the best era in this you know in the month of july he really turned it around pcl pitcher of the month and when i look at the you know a guy like that you can probably see him getting a call up maybe a spot start or a long inning relief mm-hmm. appearance just to see how he's looking i thought he was going to be a guy that maybe on the trade block there really wasn't a space in the rotation for him this season probably not even next season but he's a good depth piece you know peter solomon's sure. proven that last season um in early april and even at the end of the year And one another guy that's, you know, kind of turned it around is uh, Brett Canine. Uh, You know, Brett Canine entered the month of August with only one scoreless outing under his belt, and it was his first appearance of the season. Overall, the ERA was fluctuating between 9 and 10 over the last month, uh, not looking good for him, especially at 25. But then he won PCL Pitcher of the Week for August uh, 1st to 7th, back-to-back scoreless outings in long relief, uh, including a no-hit appearance. And he hadn't had a no-run appearance since the first game of the year, so, overall, Brett Canine really turning around. Maybe the long relief is going to be better for him, especially with the surplus of starters in AAA. Yeah, and
0: that's, that's good to see because, you know, a lot of the pitchers that we are kind of excited about in, in AAA, you know, Solomon, Canine, Dubin, that a lot of them saw some struggles this year. I mean, even J.P. France early on. But Hunter Brown, is he continues to do what he's done all year, five and a third innings, uh, gave up one run, struck out nine this, uh, this past week. Two five two ERA, 115 strikeouts, both lead the PCL. He's just been phenomenal. And then J.P. France, you know, he's right behind him, 111 strikeouts, which is third in the PCL. Then I mentioned the ERA, I think, is down to around 4.2 or something like that. But if you really look, I think since the beginning of maybe June or something, he's been he's been a lot better. So um, another thing I'm, I'll note on him, though, you know, we've seen that uptick in velocity. I think – I know his last start he was up to 95 points. And I think we may have saw him hit a high of like 95.6. And I don't I don't know if that's a velocity that he had last year. So to see J.P. Frantz with the strikeout numbers and getting that velocity up to that mid-90s, 95, 96, uh, definitely gets me a, a little more a little more optimistic about his outlook in terms of uh, you know what he can do at the major league level.
1: And I, I talked to Jason Bell, who's the minor league field coordinator for the Astros, and he was managing the Space Cowboys for a week uh, about probably two weeks ago during the All-Star break. And he was talking about Eric Abreu, who's the pitching coach. For the Space Cowboys has been with JP France since he got into the system. They both kind of climbed at the same point. Abreu's mm-hmm. made it made it all the way to AAA too as a as a coach himself. And so those two have really formed a bond. And so it, it's interesting to know that you know with JP France getting better. You know you also need to attribute that to Eric Abreu who knows him better sure. than probably any other coach in the system. And you know he talked about the velocity uptick and even the whiffs. Yeah, you know, he's generating whiffs. He's not catching bats at all in those strikeouts. It's not like he's just getting strikeouts, looking foul tips. You know, he's generating a lot of whiffs. And I think at one point he had 10 over three innings uh, in one of his starts in June or July. And I was out there, and it, you know, that's what's looking good for JP France. And if, you know, since he wasn't traded at the deadline, you know, the Astros probably do believe that they have a spot for him as a depth piece next season when, you know, when he's Rule 5 eligible.
0: Yeah. And they haven't used him in, you know, a a permanent relief. You know, he's done the piggyback where he comes in for three, four innings. But, it just makes you kind of wonder with those kind of strikeout numbers, you know what would he do if he was just a typical you know seventh, uh, sixth seventh inning reliever? Where he's only throwing one or two innings. But on the offensive side, uh, you know we talked about Pedro Leone. he's gonna gonna be out for a couple of weeks, hopefully, you know it seemed pretty optimistic after seeing him get hit in the face, you always expect the worst and maybe he'd be out longer. But if he's only out for a week or two, that'd be good. Uh, Jainer Diaz, you know he's still doing his thing down in A in, in thirty two games, ten homers. The on-base percentage is a little low, just above 300, but the slugging's almost 600. He's kind of doing what what we've seen, you know, showing some showing some pop, making contact, not really drawing a whole lot of walks. I'm sure the average will start to climb as he just gets more comfortable in AAA. Um, and then I know you mentioned on here a couple guys got uh, got option from the Astros: JJ Matajevic, Taylor Jones, Corey Lee. With the trades that happened over the deadline, some of those guys got option back to AAA. But it definitely makes the uh, the space Cowboys lineup a little more a little more deep, a lot more fun to watch.
1: A lot more major league ready. Uh, at the beginning of the season, there was some injuries. You didn't see a lot of those regulars that you saw last season um, on the AAA lineup. And so, yeah, the the record doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, it matters to these guys because they want to win. Um, right. But, you know, to see these guys with major league experience, you know, with Alex Degote, he's also been up there. He's the captain of that team. Um, they probably love it. You know, David Hensley's played with these guys. You know, he's going to be a major league talent at some point, too. And, yeah. you know, Corey Jolks also... Uh, with an 866 OPS, 22 home runs. This is a major league ready. There's a bunch of major league ready guys on this team that could play for other teams as well, not just the Astros. And just overall, this is really just going to improve their record down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and like you mentioned, nice to see the, the Astros have a lot of depth at triple a and, and we started to see some of those guys turn it around that kind of gives you that feeling of, okay, if, if something got ha- you know, if something happened to a Led Mestiaz and you, know, you got David Hinsley who can come up and I think is, it can be a quality major league player. I know our buddy Ben from, from Apollo has talked about his exit velocities being, uh, being really, really good. It's a good indicator of success, but we'll go to go down to double a, the hooks 47, 55, they went forward two this week and another good weekend for the Astros, uh, double a team, but Justin Dearden, who just got that promotion, has been awesome. You know, Astros player of the month, player of the week, uh, leads the system in doubles. I mean, it, you know, I think at one point we were talking about he had an OPS that was approaching 1,000, and he kind of went on like a little bit of a slump for maybe like a week or two, and since then he just he's, he's just took off. I know at one point he was hitting like 590 over like a, a 12-game stretch or something, just incredible numbers. So really excited to see what he's going to do in A. But, yeah, they're going to miss him down in Corpus Christi. But it, it, it was time for him to get that get that opportunity in A.
1: Most definitely. I even think last week was their correct week to promote him, but they gave him another week in Double A, let him settle in, I guess, and he still was racking in the awards. Uh, but behind the dish, um, even with Luke Berryhill out, the two you know, the catching corp of uh, Cesar Salazar and CJ Stubbs has been phenomenal. Uh, Salazar is batting 309 with an eight sixty-seven OPS, fifteen doubles, nine homers. A guy who's been up to Triple A twice in his career, once last season and once earlier this season when Corey Lee was promoted. Um, but when you look at the, the rest of the, you know, the lineup, even CJ Stubbs, who was promoted from high A recently, started last season in double A, you know, battled some um, issues at the plate, but 822 OPS over 12 games, four homers. He's promoted July 21st with Barry Hill IELD. Um, overall, this double uh, A catching corp is looking good. And, and, you know, they're probably biting at the heels to get to triple A by the end of the season or start next season in triple A.
0: Yeah, and hopefully, you know, Barry Hill won't be too much more behind. I know he was looking at maybe like a four to six week recovery. So he definitely planned on still playing this year. So hopefully we'll we'll see him uh, maybe get a rehab here pretty soon. But on the pitching, on the pitching staff, Missy Altameras, 4.5 TVRA. We've seen a lot of ups and downs from him. We've seen some extremely dominant performances, and then we've seen some where he's walked a little bit too many. And it's kind of in the story for a lot of the double A pitchers. Jaime Melendez, you know, another guy who um started out the season really bad and then had a stretch where he was phenomenal. And now he's kind of settled back down a little bit, but the strikeout numbers are still, um, they're pretty insane for a guy, you know, given, given his age, I think he's 20 years old. He's got 102 strikeouts and 72 innings uh, throwing mid nineties, despite being what's he five, nine, five, 10. He's a, he's a smaller pitcher, but he's, he's got really good stuff. Um, Adrian Chida, as you mentioned him earlier, UCLA guy that was drafted last year, uh, Texas league uh, pitcher of the week for this week. He had two outings last week uh, in, I think, Maybe one was a start, one was in relief, but he totaled nine scoreless innings in the two outings. So, uh, nice to see him get that honor down in Double uh, A.
1: And We talked about MJ Melendez uh, last month. I think he was the June pitcher of the month for the Astros minor league pitcher. Uh, kind of up and down still. Twenty seven Ks, eight walks in July, four nine six ERA. Um, still battling, you know that that hard contact. You know, giving into home runs. Yeah. Uh, we thought he kind of figured it out in June. Didn't really pick that up in July. Julio Robaina, three eight oh ERA, eighteen K, fourteen walks in July. Those walks are, you know, really hurting him. But these guys are—they're striking out a lot of batters, but I think uh, also limiting hits. I think command is what they're going to really hone in on for the rest of the season and going into spring training next year. They're going to really battle for a spot on the Triple A roster with the uh, with starting options opening up.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's kind of that time, you know. This is where the guys probably want to perform their best the last month of the season, uh finish the season strong, and then that way, you know, come next year, spring training goes well. They get a they get a aggressive assignment, you know, that that closer to being at the uh, at the major league level. All right. So I just I just got the game notes for the hooks today. Uh, on the mound today is uh Cody Deeson, but tomorrow Jaden Murray is scheduled to start. So you mentioned earlier he hasn't pitched since the Astros acquired him at the trade deadline, but he is scheduled to, to start tomorrow. So we'll we'll finally get to see what he can do. And uh, really good numbers. And I know there's a lot of people that are really high on what he can do. And, man, you know, if you really look at it, it was like Siri for Mancini swap and then Murray for McDermott. You know, pitching prospect for pitching prospect. And people are really high on, on uh, Jaden Murray. I know we talked about how Fangraphs had him. I, I think the 15th best prospect traded, you know, this deadline out of like 73 prospects. And I think McDermott was in the 40. So Fangraphs is high on him. Uh, definitely seems like a good pickup.
1: Yeah, high strikeout rate, low walk rate. The command is there. The ERA is not much to worry about either, not giving up a lot of runs. He's been to AAA in his career this season back in yeah. AA. Uh, there's probably not a true spot for him on the AAA roster at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's good to see James Click attacking the prospect market too when he's also building a, few, you know, building a contending team. In the 2022 season, uh, grabbed Jair Diaz last year, and he went to the Futures yep. game. So overall, those are two big pickups for him so far. And and if Jaden Murray turns into a Jair Diaz kind of uh, prospect in the way that he was, you know, kind of just a throw-in, it looks like um, that's another great move for James Click.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to take a look at the lower levels, and we'll answer some uh, some Twitter questions and some trivia, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Feature podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. We'll, we'll get down to the lower levels. We'll go to start with high A, Asheville Taurus. They're 44 and 55. They had a really good week, went 5 and 1. Um, they had they a rainout, ended up playing a doubleheader, swept the doubleheader. We talked about one of the main guys this week, Luis Santana, four solo bombs. Uh, but you know Kennedy Corona, a guy who who had a really good start to the season with Fayetteville, got promoted. He's up to 302 now, in, in, uh, in Asheville, 893 OPS. Uh, and then Miguel Palma is another catcher we talked about, who I was I was excited about. You know, a young catcher, solid defensively, 20 years old, He was doing some good things with the bat. Doesn't strike out a lot of uh, a lot, draws some walks, and he's got five home runs, 15 RBIs already in Asheville. So uh, really good week for them. Nice to see them kind of turn it around.
1: It's just a coincidence, but I think it's interesting how the Astros have poached. Some really uh, decent prospects away from the Mets in the last five years, you know, all all in trades that I think were made by Jeff Luno. I think the Jake Merznik trade might have been made by James Click. Um, I'm not totally sure. I don't remember that. But, uh, you know, they got Blake Taylor. They have Kennedy Corona recently. Luis Santana also looking good in high A. These guys are, you know, they've been they were traded almost five years ago and they're all looking like good depth pieces. And then you have Scott Manea, who's in AAA right now, catcher struggling with the bat, uh, not that great defensively beyond catcher. Uh, But last season, he almost had a 900 OPS in AA. Um, It's just a coincidence, but they've gotten some really good farm hands out of uh, New York.
0: Yeah, no, and it and it, uh, it is kind of funny. But, yeah, nice to see those guys like Corona. Because, you know, like Corona last year was in Fayetteville. and The average is low, stole some bases. You really know what you're going to get. And then he comes out this year and tears the cover off the ball in Fayetteville, gets that promotion to, to high A. He's only 22 years old. So, putting together a really good season. Another outfielder who was putting together a really strong season, Colin Barber. He was crushing the ball, looked like he was ready for double A. And the next thing you know, some kind of injury happened. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he ended up getting hurt. I don't know if he's on the IL yet, but I was told that the injury wasn't like too serious. Not something that he's going to be out forever. Would love to see you know he got the injury last year. He he struggled with a few injuries this year. it Would be nice to really see him just stay healthy and 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 get rolling because I feel like he has the bat to be in Double A. We saw what he did. I think it was in May, May or June. Had an unreal month. A month. I think he hit like three ninety with like you know, eight or ten home runs, something like that. Really good numbers, maybe over four hundred. But at this point, it's really about him staying healthy. And, you know, he's still only 21 years old. It was, it was an aggressive promotion to, to put him in high last year and even this year. Uh, but now it's just he got, he's got he got to stay healthy. But we've seen him at least show us what he can do with the bat, you know, when he's healthy.
1: Yeah, we, we were monitoring him for a couple of weeks there. Uh, was playing, you know, pl- went off or wasn't playing for like a week. Played about two games, went on the injured list. So he's on the IL at the moment. Like you said, you heard it's not that serious. Um, but overall, you know, he's young. Um, he's a young prospect drafted out of high school in 2019. So overall, you know, I'm not too worried about Colin Barber. I, I'm also like a big, big supporter of lefty hitting outfielders but with that lefty pop and the speed that Colin Barber brings. Very toolsy guy. He's going to stay in the top 10 prospect rankings for uh, you know a lot of teams. But we not we might yeah. not see him promoted to Double A, especially with some other um, high A outfielders like Kennedy Corona really fighting for that spot to get to Texas.
0: For sure. And and outside of those guys, the the. The offense has uh, seen some good performances, but they, a lot of the guys have been moved up. You know, Quincy Hamilton, we talked about him. He was uh, he had a really good week, and then he got promoted to double-A to and, and had one game with the hooks. But on the pitching staff, you know, we talked about how tough of a place it is to pitch. Spencer Aragetti the ERA is not, not pretty, but he's got 110 strikeouts, 75 innings. And really, yeah, we, we me and you have talked about that over and over. You're missing bats. You're getting swings and misses. Uh, and now it's going to be what, he, what can he do at a little bit better pitching area, you know, in double-A. But the the strikeout numbers are there, and then you got a guy uh, pitcher last year that drafted Aaron Brown leads the team in innings pitched. Same thing. You look at the ERA; it's not great, but you go look at the the stats since the beginning of July, and he's got a three point four six ERA. So starting to turn things around. Um, but it's just man, it's a tough place to pitch, and those guys are they're doing what they can out there. Some of them are having good outings. I think Cesar Gomez had a uh, five scoreless this week. But overall, it's just uh, it's tough. But you know, hey, if you're if you're missing bats, you're doing something right, and the numbers will start to show at a higher level. Uh, when we had
1: Chase McDermott on the podcast uh, a few months or uh, probably a month ago, two months ago, he talked about him and Spencer, Spencer Getty kind of fighting for that strikeout lead. Um, the fun thing is that they're both still in the same uh, Carolina league because he was uh, when, when he was traded to the Orioles, their uh, high affiliate is in the same, uh, same league where Spencer Getty is pitching with the tourists. So maybe they can keep that alive. And the one thing I would like to throw out about throw out about McDermott is that the Orioles had f- their pick was five picks after where Chase McDermott was taken in the comp round of the fourth round of the 2021 draft. And they also faced him a lot in high A and single A. So they probably knew a lot about him, um, you know, even up before they were thinking about trading for him.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, hate to see McDermott get traded. Like I mentioned, we got a, a prospect back and, you know, really, if Baltimore's probably a good opportunity for him. We'll see what he can do at a little bit better uh, pitchers area where he's going. Him and Eric Getty were kind of like one and two when it came to, to the high strikeout pitchers in high A that had a, little, had a little bit higher ERA, Orioles trade for McDermott, and we still got Eric Getty. So we'll we'll go from there. But uh, the Woodpeckers, man, they went four and two this week. Same thing as Asheville. They swept their doubleheader. They're 45 and 55. All the records are, are ticking up right now for the minor league system. But we got to see what Colin Price could do. You know, last uh, he was assigned uh, at the beginning of last week, so he played all last week in Fayetteville, hit 400. I think he had a couple doubles, drove in like three, uh, three runs. Um. So nice. If you would have looked at the draft, you probably wouldn't assume he would have been the first guy to go to Fayetteville. Uh, just given that he played for a smaller school, was a catcher, but I guess they needed the depth there. He got the opportunity and and, and made the most of it last week.
1: Yeah, a six six catcher, um, very mature player. Uh, was kind of uh, shocked that he didn't go drafted last year, and he was very excited for the opportunity this season. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it, the catching. Uh, Position with Palma up to high A isn't the best and you know, the best situation for single A. That's why they have two drafted catchers there now. But overall, you know, he's looking good. Colin Price, um, you know, like you said, hitting 400, he had a single in his first at bat, uh, can DH maybe extend to first base. Even said he could play center field in college, so size Mm. can really, uh, you know, be good for that position addition.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple other guys that have have turned it around a little bit, it seems like Tyler Whitaker and while the strikeout numbers aren't, you know, are still there, he had two doubles, two homers this week, drove in eight. And you know, me and you have talked about it a lot. It would be really nice to see him kind of finish this last month or month and a half of the season strong, um, and maybe get that OPS, you know, above 600 and finish strong, kind of carry that into next year. Another outfielder, though, Logan Cerny. He played two games this week, and then he's been out. And I, I, what I heard is that he got—they think he got hit on the hand. Uh, the guy I was talking to I think he got hit on the hand, if you could remember right. But didn't seem too serious. He's still with the team. Uh, didn't get put on the IL, so maybe just taking some time. Hopefully we'll see him soon. But he seemed like a candidate that was maybe due for a promotion to high A. Unfortunately, now he got that, you know, got hit last week. So we'll see. Hopefully he'll uh, hopefully he'll be back on the field here soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, Drew Gilbert coming up and Zach Cole and some other guys like Jacob Belton might be in single A by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Logan Cerny is a for sure candidate to make it to high A, drafted last season by the Phillies you know, out of college. it's He's due uh, minor league player of the month in June. Um, overall, you know, Logan Cerny, I've been one of his biggest supporters just based on the tools and build he, he brings. Um, but I, I think he's a for-sure candidate to make it to high A.
0: Yeah, another uh, guy who had a good week, Jose Alvarez. You know, we kind of joked he was like the catching version of A.J. Lee, who, who ended up, you know, A.J. Lee ended up getting released uh, just this past week. But Alvarez had a good week at 333, and he's I think he's like 22 years old. And I'm not really sure if the bat is legit. He, he plays catcher, DH, but had a good week, had some big hits for, for Fayetteville. We'll go down to the pitching though. Edison Batista. I almost had him as my my stock up. I had him in my stock up in my article, my stock up for a pitcher. Uh, but man, he's been great. Tossed four scoreless innings this uh, this past week. He's got a ERA down to two point eight two. Twenty. Just turned twenty back in May uh, on the season. He struck out uh, ninety two and in seventy nine innings. 6-2, 185, Though he's probably bigger than one eighty five. At least when I saw him, he definitely looks more more than that. But uh, twenty years old. You know, putting up those kind of numbers in low A and kind of leading that staff. You know, you got a Alex Santos. You got some older pitchers there, but it's been Bautista who's put up the best numbers, you know, for, uh, for the entirety of the season. And another
1: name on the pitching staff that you highlighted is uh, Belezzo, who was great in 2019, uh, worked his way back. I don't think he pitched last season. And the season was canceled in 2020. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was like an elbow injury, Tommy John of some sort. Uh, but one nine eight ERA with 16 punch outs over thir- 13 and two thirds innings, uh, looking good on his way back. And if I'm not mistaken, he won. He was named to the Baseball America like short season um, all star list in 2019. So he was off to like a great start, good velocity, um, you know, good pitch mix there. And he's a younger guy. He's 21, 22. And he could be up in, in high A or double A by next season.
0: Yeah, he had incredible numbers in 19, you know, at a very young age. I think he was I think he was uh, 19 years old at the time. Um, but it was pretty cool because I, I, he had posted a picture on Instagram about him. He was in an airport and I asked him, is he going to Fayetteville? And he said, he said, you know, and he speaks Spanish so that the English, the translation is a little off, but he says, yes, sir. We are back. Thank God. I hope I can give the show of 2019. So it's kind of cool to like for him to even know, like "Yeah, 2019, I was really good. And now I'm trying to get back to that level. Um, uh, but it looks like he is. So, uh, so, so good to see that Kenny. We got a lot of questions on Twitter, so let's get into some of those, some really good ones. We haven't looked at them, so for the people listening, we're going straight off. You know, we're not, we didn't, we didn't prep answers or nothing. Let's see. I'm, I'll, I'll give you the, the first one, and we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth on them. The first one comes from uh, at uh, rope the horns. One rope the horns. Besides Hunter Brown, who can we expect as the next big hidden gem on the pitching front?
1: Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I don't really have the rosters pulled up in front of me, but I, re- I do like, uh, you know, J.P. France. I don't think that's a hidden gem. I think everyone knows that he could be a contender for rotational depth next season. Uh, but I do like Jimmy Endersby. Uh, I think he's off to a kind of a slow start in AAA. You know, he had good outings in, in A. one of the best ERA in the Texas League. Um, I think next season, in a full A season, we'll start to see him kind of creep up and get those strikeout numbers up, but also keep that ERA low. And I think with the full season, we could see him contending for a 40-man spot as depth, depending on where the season goes and what the roster looks like. But he also could be building trade value because he might not have a spot in the near future with the Astros.
0: be undrafted, uh, one of the guys that I think could have probably chosen any team and chose to sign with the Astros you know, following the, the, the COVID draft. I'll, I'll go with Miguel Ulola. T- just turned 20. Uh, he's in Fayetteville as well, uh, but electric stuff. I mean, fastball up to 98. And, you know, he's had some some command issues and things were starting to really get lined out. I think in his last outing, he walked like seven. And two and a third innings, didn't give up a hit, but walked seven. But really good strikeout numbers, high fastball, uh, very young, you know, still still has a lot of growing to do, like, you know, within himself. I mean, he, he can add more weight and get stronger as well. So uh, if I had to choose like a hidden gem, he, he could be one. Let's get to the next one, though. And I like this question from at Turf Burner. If you could keep two of Dearden Valdez, Manuel Valdez, Wilger Abreu, and uh, David Hensley, before the Red Sox trade, which two would you have kept? And I'm going to answer this one. And, um, you know, it's 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 a good question. Dearden for sure would be mine. I, I like the bat. I like the athletic ability he has in the outfield. From there is where it gets interesting with uh, uh, Valdez um, and Hensley, right? Abreu would be fourth on the list for me. Maybe since we're past the trade and I feel this way, but I, I like I like Hensley. I like what he can do in a, in a utility role. You know, he's going to probably give you at least average – average defense at all the positions going to play. And the, the knock with Valdez was that he wasn't great defensively. He had the bat, but he wasn't great defensively. Hensley seems like a guy who can give you, you know, quality innings at a lot of positions. He hits the ball hard. He draws walks, And he's, he's. if you had to choose one of those guys to fill a utility role, Hensley seems like that, like he would be the best one for that. And, unfortunately, we didn't have, have really have a spot for Valdez. So, out of those, I mean, I, I kind of like what the Astros did. I mean, I thought we could have got more for Valdez. But in terms of the two the that they kept us for, I like the two that they kept
1: yeah, definitely. All those guys could be depth pieces for the Astros next season. Uh, the issue is that uh, Valdez and Abreu were both uh, Rule 5 eligible, and Hensley's going to be Rule 5 eligible uh, this winter. Um, I think Durden is you know, the first one, but I think Abreu was my second. Uh, the walk rate is you know, crazy good, and if they can hone in on that power and the uh, contact from the left, left side of the plate, he could have been a great leadoff hitter, great outfielder in the Astros system. There just wasn't a true spot for him.
0: Yeah, we still got some more uh, Twitter questions here. We got some really good ones. Kenny, why don't you go ahead and fire one at me?
1: So I just saw one a few minutes ago. It was asking more about the the catching behind Yannir Diaz. Uh, the question is from Houston Astros BR. Uh, what are the expectations about Yannir Diaz's defense? He can uh, he can be a major league catcher, question mark. And so that, that's the thing that we've talked about a little bit, uh, just you and me, you've talked about a little bit on Twitter. And we know about his hitting. The exit velocity is good. Uh, there's a lot of power there. But what do you see from him defensively?
0: I think he can catch at the major league level. You know, I don't – if you're looking for someone to be like a Martín Maldonado, you know that that insane defense that we've seen. I don't know if Diaz is that guy, but he's he's caught more way more games than he has uh, played at first in AAA. And I don't know if that's the Astros just trying to get him more more innings at catcher, uh, if it just has to do with the roster construction because Corey Lee was up and they weren't you know kind of lacked another catcher. Uh, but he's he's caught I think he was about half and half in Double A and in Triple A. I mean it's like ninety percent of the games have been at catcher or the innings he's played. Um, but he's you know he's a good athlete back there, strong arm. You know the scouts have noted that he's got a good arm and control the running game with that. Uh, he's still young though, you know he's 23 years old. And Maldonado, I'd have to go back and look, you know. But what kind of catcher was he at 23 defensively versus what he is now is? that you know that the, I feel like the bat you want to see right, but the, the defensive traits you can you can get better at that. You can call the game, you get better at blocking balls. I think he has the ability to to, to stick at catcher. If not, you know, to at least be somebody who can. Who can realistically catch at the major league level? Not an Evan Gaddis-like catcher that we saw. In like, what was it fifteen or sixteen where he caught some games and it was, it wasn't great. I don't. Diaz isn't at that level. I think he's a lot better uh, athlete and could be a better catcher than that. Won't maybe not. Won't be a elite defensively, but I do think he can catch at the major league level.
1: Uh, very spot on. And when, when you look at the future behind behind Martin Maldonado next season, uh, he's gonna hit his threshold soon on games played, so he can get that vesting option for twenty twenty three. But January Diaz is gonna have to be put on the forty man roster. There's no no way they're gonna let him go exposed to the Rule Five Draft for sure uh, this winter. And I think that guy that you want to be like Martin Maldonado, that personal catcher, the guy who's great defensively, is gonna be Corey Lee um yep. you know cory lee is a better framer you, you can have he has a good arm good arm and i think that's the guy you're going to get replaced there but the bat is going to be johnier diaz
0: yeah i i agree and, and
1: i think one more question kind of fits this just with september coming up but alex uh, Magejo, uh asked who are the most probable september call-up options and your thoughts on who's ready for an opportunity
0: yeah, I think, you know, anyone on the 40-man roster, right, They're, those are going to be the guys that are most likely to be a call-up. But I think Hunter Brown, I think he, there's a chance he gets a, a September call-up, you know, and, and we get to see what he does out of the bullpen. But if you're really looking for guys that maybe you're unexpected, we just talked about him. David Hensley seems like a guy who could maybe come up and eat some innings late in the season and, and play all over the field, give that give the team another option as a utility guy, you know, kind of by, uh, behind a uh, Diaz and uh, Dubon. Outside of that, I mean, I think you'll see you'll see the guys like Corey Lee back up. You know, the guys like JJ Matajevic, but guys that aren't on the forty man roster, Brown and Hensley would probably be the two that I think are are most likely to to get that call.
1: Most definitely, I think right when it expands to twenty eight, we're going to see Corey Lee jump up there. Just have that third catcher. We saw a little bit of that of Garrett Stubbs last season uh, behind Jason Castro and Martin Maldonado. And with Jason Castro out for the season, it's a good bet you'll get uh, some more Corey Lee action. Uh, with the 28-man roster. And, and then, you know, a spot star for Hunter Brown makes the most sense. Maybe bring up Peter Solomon for some long relief like last yeah. season. Just, you know, eat through that those late games of September, Yeah, you know, going into October before the postseason starts. Um, I know a lot of people asked about Pedro Leon. And just like last season, you know, he got hit with an injury late uh, right. while he's trying to make a good stride in AAA. And Pedro Leon's on, on a pretty good run in AAA over the last couple months, uh, dropped the strikeouts, picked up some more walks. Uh, but I don't think that's something that's going to happen this season. Uh, like you said, I think Hensley is a good bet. Um, you know, Hensley and Joe Perez were kind of like the one and two option for who was going to make the 40-man roster last year. They went with the younger guy and Joe Perez, more mm-hmm. potential. But uh, Hensley should be a depth piece next uh, season if they don't bring back a litmus
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a couple more I just want to get to real quick. We'll, we'll make them quick. But from KP8912, he says, is Justin Dearden a legit prospect? Who could potentially be called up if Myers continue to struggle? You know, I, I do think Dearden is a legit prospect. I think as bad as legit, and, and I hopefully we'll see that at the AAA level. In terms of like replace, uh, replacing Myers, I think Myers is going to be a way better defender in, in center field than Dearden is. Dearden is a big guy. you know, He's a big lefty. Uh, more likely probably will be a corner outfielder. The other options in center field, I mean, Pedro Leone was one of them, and, and he's obviously not going to be a guy to get a call now, you know, being out for a, a couple weeks. So, man, it, right now it really feels like it's down to Myers, uh, McCormick, and I mean, I don't know, a Dubon or so, I mean, somebody playing in center field, you know, it, I, I think it'll be Myers and McCormick and it'll be those two. And, and it's going to continue to be that battle. I know Myers in the lineup tonight. A lot of people would like to see Chaz, especially against a left hander, given his number. But I do think Dearden is a legit prospect. Uh, I just don't know if he's the guy that would replace Myers, you know, just just based on the the defense. I know the Astros love the defense of Jake Myers.
1: Most well, definitely. Um, he's not he's not the most toolsy guy either. Uh, there's not a lot of tools. there. That's why he doesn't get ranked so high. And he's 25 years old. Right. Um, I, I do believe that his future is in the corner outfield role. Uh, he's also a big enough guy to play first base. Hasn't really done that. Uh, but more innings in center field this year in double A. Uh, that's going to be a little bit different when he gets to when he gets to Sugarland today. But I also like Lewis Brinson. I think that was a good depth piece to pick up. Uh, somebody when, you know, you looked at the center field options between McCormick and Siri, both kind of fringe guys entering the year. He went after, you know, a talented guy who's not really lived up to what he, his potential is. And, you know, he's had some strikeout issues in AAA, but uh, Brinson can really piece something together if they need that extra outfielder come October.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, one more we'll get to. I, I hate to let any questions go. And this it's a good question from uh, Christian uh I'm saying it right Kruger but he says who are the most underrated prospects in the system and who are the most MLB ready I think we've hit on the MLB ready the Hunter Brown the David Hensley uh, the guys that would be potentially getting that call but in terms of underrated let's do this let's do this Kenny you I'll give one you give one and if I'm talking underrated I'm gonna go in terms of like a national rating and then maybe you know maybe like a, a fan perspective maybe that fans don't know about um Man, if I really had to go with one, I would think like Quincy Hamilton's a good to be, you know, good guy that's underrated. Probably not a lot of fans know about him. I don't think he's on any Astros top 30 list right now. And you know, he's a little bit over prospect because he was a fifth year senior, but the guy's done nothing but hit, like we talked about. Uh, good walk, uh, good walk rate, low strikeout rate, solid defensively, hitting for some power. Um, if I had to choose somebody who's underrated, I think Hamilton kind of fits that mold.
1: Yeah, definitely on a national standpoint, too. I you don't see Quincy Hamilton who's about 23, 24 years old, second yep. year in the system, but uh, you're not really seeing his name float around a lot. Uh, my guy that I would put, you know, everyone knows him because of his brother is JC Correa. Uh, I think JC Correa has a very underrated bat the last two years. A lot of people haven't really noticed him. Uh, yeah, the defense isn't quite there behind the, uh, you know, behind the dish yet, but it's his first year playing catcher. Uh, the guy can play third base, a little bit of first, second, and the shortstop's not in his future. Uh, but overall, you know, it's, there's a lot of versatility there for JC Correa and the bat's always consistent. And like Carlos Correa, quote tweeted you last season and said the kid can hit. And that's what mm-hmm. that's exactly what he's doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that, that'll do it for the uh, Twitter questions. We do appreciate them. I, uh, I love answering those questions that kind of like, you know, w- where we don't read them beforehand. And we got to think of the answers right now. I like doing that. Uh, but Kenny, tell me the best thing you learned over the last week or two since la- since the last time we recorded a podcast.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. There's some things that have fluctuated through my mind just based on what I've been hearing, what I saw. But one thing really stu- uh, stood out to me is that the Astros drafted right-hand pitcher at Boston College on day three of the draft named uh, jo- Joey Mancini. Uh, there's also another Joey Mancini in the Astros system. It's Trey Mancini. Uh, Trey Mancini for the Houston Astros, uh, first baseman, left fielder, whatever you want to say he should be playing. But uh, Trey Mancini's name is also Joey mm-hmm. Mancini the third, And... Joey Mancini the third was the pitcher the Astros drafted in, on the third day.
0: Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy for sure. Shout out, no, no relation, right?
1: No relation. Shout out Astros Arsenal on Twitter. Uh, he's the one who pointed it out, and a hat tip to him. That was a good catch.
0: Yeah. What I learned this week, and, and really I was looking at, uh, you know, Jacob DeGrom was back, right, had a, had a dominant outing. So a couple things I, I, wanted to, uh, I learned this week, right? I didn't realize he was shortstop in college. He was a shortstop his freshman and sophomore year. Um, and then I think they said in his junior year, he started pitching in relief uh, and then finally became a starter. And then, you know, ended up getting drafted by the Mets. Uh, the, the bat wasn't great as a shortstop. He was, I think they said he hit like 263. He did homer off of Chris Sale in a start in college. He was a starting pitcher and he homered off of Chris Sale, which I thought that was pretty cool. But also that kind of leads me to the next point, I mean, patience. Right. We told we talked about it over and over with a guy like Forrest Whitley. Jacob deGrom is perfectly that he was a ninth round pick had a uh, missed the second season in, in the minor leagues because of an injury had like a four, four or four, five ERA and triple a didn't debut until he's 26. And since his debut in 2014, he's been one of the best pitchers in, in baseball. So I know he's got some injury issues. All, all teams would gladly take him knowing that as well, but I think it's just kind of, He's not the rule. You know, He's maybe more of an exception, but patience does pay off. And patience with a guy like Jacob DeGrom, who finally debuted at 26 and is now one of the best pitchers in baseball and has been for the last eight years, I think just kind of lets people know. Like, he debuted at 26. Forrest Whitley's still 24. I mean, there's still still time for him to to uh, to do what he can do. And we've seen that a little bit with his uh, rehab outings. You know, the fastball's back up to 96 and stuff. So, anyways, that's what I learned this week. I know we got a couple of trivia questions unless you got something to add to that, uh, Kenny, but if not, feel free to hit me with your question.
1: I'm going to build two trivia questions off what you just talked about. I know we didn't talk right. about Forrest Whitley that much. I kind of forgot about that, but uh, one and two thirds innings, just throwing that in real quick. Uh, yep. Pretty good outing. I uh, got put on a pitch account, but the swing and miss was there. Uh, good looking uh, fastball and the arsenal was For sure. all in full force. Um, but off of what you're saying. And when, when DeGrom made his major league debut, there was one pitcher who, uh, Got the outing before him so it was between those two guys DeGrom and another guy one of those guys is now in the Astros bullpen and he was chosen to come and pitch before DeGrom in the majors for the Mets which Astros reliever is that
0: so the first guy I was going to go with was going to be Colin McHugh because I, I think didn't Colin McHugh come with the Mets I know he's not in the Astros yeah, bullpen. he was so originally like for the Mets yeah so that's not going to be when he debuted later in his career and ended up being a really good pitcher as well so he's, he's another example if I had to go with a guy who was in the Mets, you know, in the or on the Mets staff back in 2014, I'm trying to think of guys who are a little bit older, I don't think it's Ryan Stanek, right? No, because he came up with the Rays,
1: and he like pitched for the Marlins too.
0: Okay, I think. Like, I mean, Hector Neris is in uh, – one. Uh, Rafael Montero.
1: It's Rafael Montero, correct? Yes.
0: Nice, nice. Did, um, so did he? He did he go to Seattle in the Edwin Diaz trade?
1: I don't think so. He was with the oh, Rangers okay. before the Mariners, if I'm oh, not okay, mistaken. Okay. So he's, gotcha. he's been kind of just passed around, jumps on different teams. Um, gotcha. But, yeah, uh, my second question is which well, was a prospect to start the year, made his major league debut on opening day. Who is he? He had a home run off of uh, Jacob deGrom in a spring training game last year.
0: Um, he said he made his major league debut. Oh, Jeremy with the Pena, Astros, right? Yep.
1: Jeremy Pena. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I do remember that. Yeah. Cause it was kind of the moment of like, Oh man, here's, uh, this Future. is one of our top prospects, just freaking Homer off of Jacob deGrom. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> correct. Yeah. Um, trivia. Uh, this one's a little bit different. Uh, has nothing to do with numbers, but what gender is JP Francis child? It's Soon a to be child. It it's is a boy. boy. That's I correct.
0: Saw I saw it. Yep. Congrats to, uh, congrats to, to JP and his, uh, and his wife.
1: Yeah, um, the, um, I was at the game that they did it and they yeah. they were shooting off fireworks to reveal it and they did green and purple. I think they messed up, but that was meant to be boy. Yeah. So they had I a boy. Saw
0: it and I was like, that didn't look blue. And I was wondering, yeah, Exactly. They, they posted later. I was, I was really confused. I heard people in the background saying like, it's a boy. And I'm kind of like, how do they know that? It's not blue.
1: <laughs> I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes footage too. Uh, okay. Zach Woolley, who works for the Space Cowboys, was showing me it. And Denoli Paredes was going crazy. The guy was so excited. He was yelling, it's a boy, it's a boy, just throwing the champagne yeah. everywhere. And then Louis Brinson grabbed him and he said, Hey, you can't do that. Like she's, she's pregnant. Miss France is pregnant. Stop <laughs> doing that. And it's just the funniest thing in the world. Cause he gets all down and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, but. Uh, it was just kind of a wholesome moment for Nolan Perez. Yeah, no, I saw
0: some of the video, and it was it was pretty cool to see like all the the other players, you know, like super excited and jumping up and down. Some of the photos turned out really cool, and yeah, credit to the staff of the the, the Space Cowboys. They were they were definitely in the middle of that uh, that that champagne you know bath that was going on. Uh, the, the question I got for you though, and it kind of comes to uh, some some Space Cowboys, Nick Hernandez and Corey Jolts played college baseball together, and I think that's uh, pretty well known. There's been some articles wrote about it. They played together two years in college. Can you give me those years?
1: years in college so
0: well now now i'm actually yeah. i know i know one year for sure now now i'm almost like oh crap John, go back it. but uh but one they, of
1: those years is 2016 okay
0: that's that's for sure uh but you know jokes is i'm trying to think nick hernandez uh came up he picked for acc right before he mm-hmm. we went over to university of houston i'm trying to remember if he actually pitched for the cougars in 2015 let me see pulling it up no i think it was 2016 so 2016 is the only year that they played together but and that is a that that that's a pretty wild ride though to, to play together in college in 2016 and you know uh, six years later end up on the same AAA team in the organization that they both probably grew up fans of they both grew up in the area so uh, so pretty cool well that, that's my trivia that was an easy one you got it you got it pretty quick uh, man Kenny you, you got anything else
1: I actually do remember watching that 2016 U of H team. Uh, they were, I mean, a super regional against Texas A&M, and they lost at home. I, I remember watching that, and I, there were some guys on that team that were drafted, and to this day, like, I don't remember Corey Jolks, don't remember Nick Hernandez playing, but uh, yeah. it's good to see them actually in AAA now for the Houston Astros.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at their their roster. I think that the one of the most popular guys on the team was probably uh, Connor Wong. I think he was like a, a sophomore or something during that time, and, and he was a pretty big prospect. All right, Kenny, well, if you don't got anything else, man, I think that'll that'll do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, you know, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate all the support. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros and my league system.